Welcome back, everybody, to the Drink and Learn podcast. I am drinks historian Elizabeth Pierce. And I'm bartender Abigail Gullo. And today we are bringing you an episode that was requested by two folks in the Drink and Learn Revelers. Um, Christy Uncle and Don Hines both wanted some bar home bar advice. And that, of course, can be a very big subject, including like spirits and mixers and things. But um, we are going to limit it to um, the tools and glassware that one might need if you are getting into um, making stuff at home. So, Mm -hmm. um, so this is for y'all. I do want to preface this discussion by reminding people that, you know, it doesn't really matter. I can see over Zoom that Elizabeth is enjoying her beverage of choice right now in a giant plastic go cup. Um, it's from the super dome. Super dome. Yes. Actually, when I went to see you too, I went to, I went to see you too with a friend of mine. And we went to see it. We went to see the original um, Joshua Tree tour back in 1987. 1987. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, well, for us, I think it was 88. Um, yeah. Well, maybe it was 87. Well, whatever, hell. Anyway, I was a junior and. Um, Steve and Shane and a whole a big crew of us all went, drove from oh, this was back when you had to stand remember you had to stand in line to wait to get for tickets, ticket sales. to yes. wait for ticket sales. Yes. yes. Um yes. And cash so only. Just, you had to only pay cash. Oh, I don't remember that part. I remember that. Uh, part. Anyway, there it was a store called the Grapevine, and that's where uh, you'd go and you'd get your records. I and heard it your through the grapevine that I could you get, get your concert tickets here. <laughs> and over your forty-five time, singles. Yes, over time, the Grapevine in Mandeville slowly became a gift shop because nobody bought records, tapes, mm. or CDs anymore. But anyway, um, so. At the very, like, I wasn't going to go to this concert. And then at the very last minute, I was like, I should go. I saw them in the Superdome 20 years ago, and I can go again. So I called Steven, and I was like, hey, you want to do this? He's like, yeah, sure. And anyway, this Superdome cup, which is <laughs> the only size that Coca-Cola arrived in, <laughs> uh, has, uh yeah. Anyway, okay, so all of this, so I'm drinking out of plastic, and Abigail's drinking out of um, yes. enamel? Well, it looks like enamel, but it's a ceramic cup from um, Cafe Cito Coffee Roasters in, um, mm-hmm. I think, Lafayette. This is, yeah, yeah this, and it's got like a cool alligator on one side and a yes. badass pelican, and a pelican on the other, and this is my, my favorite coffee mug, So, it's which was nice. full of coffee and... Um, almond, eggnog, and mezcal. And that was my breakfast. Good that morning. sounds like the breakfast of champions. <laughs> that and a um, cinnamon roll. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, that's <laughs> that all. That I rage ate. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all happiness. Yeah. Um, to forget the happy. rage part and just like uh, <laughs> focus on the mezcal, coffee, mm-hmm. eggnog mm-hmm. combo. So um, yeah, this is my. Yes. The idea is, you know, drink what you want, how you want it. <laughs> 
in whatever glass you want it. However, um, if you want to kind of up your game a little bit for yourself or for uh, guests that are coming. Uh, a lot of what we're talking about is kind of the difference between using a knife set from Ikea and like a knife set from Japan. So, you know, you, it's not going to make a huge difference, uh, but there is a reason why there's certain glassware with certain drinks. There's a reason why we use uh, certain tools when we're mixing drinks. So this is what this episode is for. And also, um, especially so to like using a, a tool that you enjoy using brings an, another level of pleasure Absolutely. to making the drink as opposed to, um, I think we've all encountered having to make do with a subpar tool and be frustrated by it and be mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I wish this, you know, worked differently. Um, so there's that element which has to do with satisfaction, contentment, pleasure. But also, um, as as you have uh, said often, we experience a drink with all five senses and visual is important and what a drink is served in should give you just as much pleasure as what it is, what it is holding. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, let's start with, we'll, we'll hit all the tools. Maybe we'll save glassware for the end since that's, that's sort of the end, right? Cause that's what you pour it into. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first thing you need is you need something to measure with. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you have nothing, a tablespoon is a half of an ounce. So you can do math and kind of figure out things from there. But if you would like to have a tool, then you need a jigger. Do you have a favorite, Abigail? Yeah, I I do. Um, Jiggers can be kind of personal, but um, the one that I found the most useful, and I like it because it's kind of a one-size-fits-all, it actually has a name. It's called a Leopold Jigger. Uh, you can get this style of jigger from Cocktail Kingdom. Um, they come in all different colors, but their shape and size is kind of the same. It is a kind of rounded, um, like bell-shaped jigger on each side uh, that is um, is all connected in one piece. So it, you know, with where it won't break apart into two pieces like some other jiggers. And um, on one side, it is a quarter ounce half an ounce, three quarter ounce line markings. And then if you fill it to the top with the meniscus, it is one ounce. On the other side, it has a line marking one and a half ounces. And then to the meniscus on the top, it is two ounces. So that's basically all you need. Quarter ounce, half ounce, three quarter ounce, one ounce, one and a half ounces, and two ounces. That covers a lot. And you could do math to do the rest. Like as I tell my bartenders, when they kind of flip it over, when I'm like, okay, we need three ounces of this, and they'll do two ounces on one side, and then they'll flip it over and do one ounce on the other side. And then I'm also like, or you could just use one side that has that one and a half ounces. One and a half plus and do one that and twice. a half. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, sometimes they're like, what? What? I'm like, I know math, math, <laughs> fractions. You didn't think you'd have to learn fractions again, but here they are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, I, I just I, like that jigger. It has a really nice weight and feel in my hand and, and, um, it's easy to keep clean. And, um, and I like to have one tool. Another, um, set of jiggers that are very popular and was extremely popular, like when I first started bartending, like 12 years ago, were Japanese style jiggers, which are the tall, 
kind of tall, thin jiggers. And one of the reasons why those were popular is because um, the taller and thinner the jigger is, the more kind of accurate you could be. Because like I said, that mm-hmm. meniscus makes a big difference. Like That's another thing I like work on with baby bartenders when I watch them to see how they use a jigger. Because if you're not, if you're not filling it all the way to the top to get that one ounce on the mm-hmm. one ounce side and you're leaving a little bit of room, that's just three quarters of an ounce. And there's a big difference mm-hmm. between three quarters of an ounce and an ounce. Um, mm-hmm. when you're making a complex, you know, cocktail that needs to be measured precisely. So, um, so I think that's why Japanese jiggers were very, very popular. Um, because they offer more precise measurements because you have, um, Oh, there's a scientific name for it because it's just not as, 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 as wide on top. You could be more mm-hmm. precise with the measurements. Well, the meniscus isn't as wide either. So, mm-hmm. so what, like, if you think about that filling up the, um, sir, the, the, wait, what's, what's the word for the interior of a circle? It's not the diameter. It's, it's the, the whole pie. It's yeah, the, the whole pie. So it's like the surface area of the pie. Of the- <laughs> Some math came back. Some you know, I taught I taught the GRE a long time ago, and I used to know all of those words. It's definitely um, p- pi r squared that gives it that gives it to you. But yes. I don't know what. Anyway, anyway. Um, but you said there's it's a set, right? So there's two. Yeah, um, there's there are two because you can um, lose one because one is um uh a, a lot of them don't have the measurements on the inside. Some of them do, but uh one is um uh what is it? Half yes, half ounce and three quarter, and then the other one is one ounce, two ounces. And then well, they have like one line for a quarter ounce and um and one and a half ounces. But I think that um I have a little place in my heart, perfection for the Leopold style, because that is the style that looks most like an egg cup, mm-hmm. which it is based is on a historical alleged- design. Allegedly, what Antoine Pecho used, and um, it is, you know, the what would have in New Orleans allegedly been called. <laughs> A coquetier, which is egg cup, and supposedly that is how Antoine Pecho invented the cocktail, which he did not. He absolutely did <laughs> not invent the word cocktail. It doesn't come from coquetier uh, that we know of. But um, if you come to New Orleans and you take a buggy ride, you will be told that story in front of where his pharmacy used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lie. So you, it's a lie. But... <laughs> Uh, it's still a very handsome shape mm-hmm. and kind of fits nicely in your your hand. Yes. Um, okay. So jigger, one down, and we did. We actually don't have a full list uh, written down, so I don't know how many we have to go. <laughs> but number two is you have to put the drink in something. You have to mix it in something. Yes. And uh, for this, this is where we diverge a little bit because you have um, a couple of different options here. Um, I like to diverge into two different directions at this point. If you are mixing a drink that is to be stirred, I like to use a mixing glass. And if you are mixing a drink that is to be shaken, I like to use a shaker tin. Um, There... 
there are options where you don't need to use two different things. You could use the one thing. For example, if you're using a Boston style shaker, that means one side basically is a glass and it looks like a pint glass. And then the other side is a tin. So you could Mm -hmm. use like just the pint glass size as your, as your mixing glass, which is perfectly fine. I prefer to use a mixing glass made for just mixing drinks um, rather than a kind of um, triangular shape of the the V shape of the pint glass. A mixing glass has straight, goes straight down and is kind of mm-hmm. looks a little bit more like a scientific beaker. In fact, I've, I've used scientific beakers as mixing glasses. They're kind of cool mm-hmm. and fun to use because they have like good tempered glass and everything. Um, uh, the benefits to that is that you have a nice wide bottom, so it won't kind of knock over and spill. Um, you're getting nice, even uh, dilution from your ice, and it makes um, stirring uh, faster and easier. Um, so that's why I use a nice wide bottom mixing glass. There are mixing glasses specifically made um, for... Uh, for cocktails now, and they're beautiful. Um, the most popular that you'll see is is a Japanese style called a Yari mixing glass, uh, Y-A-R-I. And in fact, uh, if you've all been um, catching up on binging good programs on the show, The Queen's Gambit, there's a scene mm, where she is um, desperately costumes. drinking uh, water because she's very, very hungover during a chess match. And the pitcher that they use and keep refilling is actually a mixing glass. <laughs> And and it's like, it's funny. It's like only I would notice that. I was like, wow, they're using that like a pitcher because it's like crystal glassware and it matches the other crystal glassware. But actually that's a cocktail mixing glass, not a water pitcher. So I have a mixing glass and I may um, bring it out and start using it as a pitcher um, because... It doesn't get used that much, and now I could use it like every damn day. We have talked about like martini pitchers and finding them mm-hmm. in in thrift stores and whatnot. And mm-hmm. uh, martini pitchers absolutely are like a type of mixing glass. You would mix like large format drinks in that. You would mix up martinis for a crowd in a martini pitcher. And yeah, right. you could absolutely use it as as a as a water pitcher as well. So they so, have. They have a, a wide variety of uses. It's it's not it's uh it's worthwhile to pick one up. So that is if you are mixing a stirred drink. Now, let's go on to stirred uh, shaken cocktails. Um, uh, wait, I did I did want to say quickly mm-hmm. that it had, I had never thought about um like I got a mixing glass because it was beautiful, but I had not thought about the fact that the V in a pint glass meant that the bottom was less stable and that you could, while you're stirring, if you really aren't paying attention, that it could tip over. And of course, your hot little hand um, doesn't need to hold, you know, hold the drink at the bottom and then heat up the drink, which is completely um, negating the effect of chilling it. Um yeah, because I had always just thought, well, like, why not use a pint glass yep. if you already have one? But yeah. if times are tough and you are having to be resourceful um, in your in your home and um, using whatever you have to to make your cocktails, 
a pint glass, totally okay, or even like a mason jar, if you had a nice big mason jar, or if you had a water pitcher, although that would be an awful lot of martinis. Um, <laughs> so Too many martinis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. Yes. There are, there are know. lots of options. And I, I think the idea of using glass instead of metal is, I mean, there might be some scientific basis to it and how it chills, but honestly, it just kind of, um, aesthetically, I don't like the sound of the spoon stirring a metal in a metal shaker. Like mm-hmm. I much prefer but the if, sound if- of glass. If, but if all you have is tin, then you can stir all your you drink in, in your stir tin. Stir your drink. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what's your favorite, what's your preferred shaker? Um, my preferred shaker, now this comes from, um, oh, so there's a couple of different options. Uh, I like um, what are called, um, there's a brand called Noriko uh, that is it, again, again ja- the Japanese make beautiful bar tools. So that's why all these names are are, um, there's an art form to the, the procedure of Japanese bartending, which is why they make such beautiful tools, just like they make such beautiful knives. And that's why, you know, mm-hmm. omakase is so exquisite, you know, it's because they do, they put that same care into their bartending as well. Um, and it's basically, it's a tin on tin. So you have like a, a 16 ounce tin and like a, I think it's a 32 ounce tin and they two tins kind of fit together and make a seal. Um, I, I, and it's just like uh, a Boston shaker with the glass on one end and the tin on the other. I like the tin on tin just because it's lighter and, um, it's a little bit easier to, um, to get, to break that seal and get it apart than it is when you're mixing with glass and shaking with glass. And, um, as someone who is mixing hundreds of drinks a day, it's easier on my wrists and my body. If, mm-hmm. um, if I'm using lighter tins instead of something heavy with glass. Also with those tins, I could fit more than one drink into a tin as well. Um, which is beneficial when you're trying to get drinks out very speedily as well. Um, for home bartending, a lot of people like the kind of standard thing is that cobbler shaker, which is a three piece mm-hmm. shaker that has the bottom part that looks like a tin and then a cap that has a hole, uh, with little holes on it that act as a strainer and then a little tiny cap that go on. Um, again, we're talking about three pieces that are easily lost. We're also talking about three pieces that need to fit together perfectly and be able to expand and contract with heat and cold and still easily come apart or slash keep the seal. Um, you should never like bang your tin to try to get it apart if it's stuck because then you're just bending your tin and making it even worse. You're breaking the seal so it won't, it won't work right. Um, uh, I'm just because of that, I find co- cobbler shakers a little challenging. However, again, there are beautifully made German and Japanese cobbler shakers that are, that a lot of bartenders like to use. They tend to be smaller, so you can't fit more than one drink in at a time. So that's mm-hmm. why I don't use them in the bar. Um, but they're perfectly all right for home use. And there's another style of shaker that I think is the sexiest. It's called the Parisian shaker. Mm. And it looks and is shaped French. like a more modern cobbler shaker. It has a 
the uh-huh. bottom part that looks like the standard kind of V tin, but then the top part that slides into it kind of has that cobbler shake, but it doesn't have that third piece. You still need to use a strainer mm. with it, but oh, okay. it's, I don't know. It's just for me, the sexiest. <laughs> when I, well, when I sounds- had like somebody else's money to spend on a tool to treat myself, I definitely treated myself with a fancy Parisian shaker. Um, there is yet another kind of shaker that did not come up in your uh, litany. And I'm not surprised that you didn't mention it because it is wildly inefficient and, and, and incredibly expensive. And that is shakers from the like 19th century that are shaped like animals. And uh, <laughs> there's a window, um, there's a silver uh not silversmith, but a a store that sells silver products in the French Quarter on Charters. It's down from where Lucullus used to be. Um, So Abigail knows where that is. And in the window, they have all kinds of drink accoutrements. So they have super fancy um, cocktail uh, 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 corkscrews, um, some of which are very naughty with like a little boy um, (laughs) where the corkscrew is coming out like he's peeing um <laughs> but they have this whole shelf of these okay think about the rabbit that you used to serve the drinks in at compare le pen okay like think about how right and think about how heavy that is but it's a shaker i mean and that's clearly like you can see they're yeah. not meant to be drinking vessels but the first time i like stopped and really looked at it i thought who the hell can shake this? I mean, like, it's like a brick. And then you like put the, you put the ice in it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but they look so awesome. Well, I don't know how much that. they cost. Uh, there's no price. Maybe the next time I walk by, I'll, I'm usually, I've been on a tour when I've seen them. So I've never got like gone in to ask the price. Oh, now I want to know. I, I know. I want right? to know. Those, so those crazy Victorians. They yeah. came up with all kinds of stuff to do with silver. Oh, um, so beautiful. I think, yeah. Oh, speaking of finding cool thrift store stuff, something that you could find a lot of are those old school shakers that have like the recipes on the side. Um, yeah. Those are really cool. And, and if they're glass and they have like the coloring or they mm-hmm. have like illustrations of like people in old timey cars and it's, uh, it's, it's really cute. And those are, uh, a lot of times they come with like, uh, I've seen them come with a, a, like a cobbler style. So it's glass on the bottom. Yes. And it has like an aluminum top. And the aluminum have, top yes. has like a, a cork a that little, was the yes, seal. Yes. And I'll uh-huh. tell you, having purchased a few of those in thrift stores, that cork seal is no good anymore. And yeah. <laughs> kind of the top isn't, I mean, it's if you want to display it that way, that's fine. Uh, but I use the bottoms as a mixing mm-hmm. glass and stir drinks in them, but I don't really use them as shakers anymore because the the important thing about a shaker is getting that seal. You know, you want to make that kind of airtight to, to, to shake it in so that you get great dilution and, um, and what happens is because you're cooling down the drink, there's an expansion that happens and that kind of holds that seal tight until you kind of pop it off. Um, also, if you're making egg white drinks, that seal is super important. Otherwise, your drink can kind of explode a little bit all over you. 
Um, if I don't you think don't anything explodes a little bit. It either explodes or it doesn't. Yeah, it's a small <laughs> explosion. I, so. I have I have I have one of those uh, with the drinks recipes on the side, mm-hmm. and um, I I have also seen them where they have like m- matching like little tiny Collins glasses that go with it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, with the little like happy uh, c- kind of atomic age oh, yes. uh, cocktailians. Um, okay, so moving Very briskly cute. on. Um, okay, so what, we've made our drink now, whether it's no, you have well, you need, but you we need a spoon. The to, oh, yeah. you need a spoon to stir. We do need a spoon to stir. Well, okay, in a pinch, a chopstick, chopstick works really does well. Does works great. So, so do you spend a lot of money on a spoon, or not necessarily? Not necessarily. It's really very aesthetic. Um, I, of course, um, here's what I avoid. Um, I'm sorry if you have one of these in your drawer. I'm not judging you, but I don't like this metal spoons with the little red plastic thing on top. Oh, okay. I, um, I don't it, think I have any of them. <laughs> I, I, the only ones listening. I've the only ones I've ever gotten have been free as swag, and they're all branded with something on top. Yeah, so that that's happens where, a lot. Yeah, I there, got some fleurdelis. So, yeah, the the kind of classic yeah. cocktail spoon that you see right now, it has a uh, a nice like kind of um, like a uh, swirly um, pattern. That's that's so it's like easier to spin and hold in your hand, but also that's supposed to be useful in pouring the cores down it to layer them in Pooh's cafes. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to use that that swirl the in the spoon part. to do that. Um, I like a spoon that has kind of a small, uh, it doesn't have like a giant spoon. It's, it's like a small one on the bottom. Um, so that, cause I use that as a measuring, a further measuring tool to do like a, about an eighth of an ounce. To me, a good mm-hmm. mixing spoon, the bowl of the spoon holds about an eighth of an ounce. And that's if you want to do, you know, the measurement of a bar spoon, which would be mm-hmm. an eighth of an ounce, half of a quarter ounce, which you can't get from a jigger. Um, then, um, now what's on the other end is kind of depending on what you need. The one that I used to love had like a little flat top on the, um, on the top, which you could use as a, as a muddler mm-hmm. and not really like to muddle like, um, you know, whole limes for a caparina, but more like a gentle like muddle, sh- like what you or- use for mint. Or you could, I mean, a sugar cube. A It'd sugar be big cube. enough for a sugar exactly. cube. Yeah. Exactly. Um, there's also ones that have like trident forks on the top, which are handy for like getting olives or um, onions or cherries out of jars, right? You stab oh, it with the fork. That's what that's those. for. Um, and I've seen ones that also have like um, a little mini strainer on top, which is kind of cool. Uh, or ones that have a big, like, crescent curve strainer. So you could use that on, on the edge of your glass. So, like, a, a kind of a, there are a lot of spoons that have those two in one features. Now, if you get, there's a lot of, if you're on a website like, uh, Cocktail Kingdom and shopping for spoons, a lot of times what you'll see these mixology uh, spoons have, like, a teardrop on top. Uh, that teardrop is actually meant, it's not just aesthetic, that's meant to be an ice cracker. So when you get torque hmm. going with your spoon and you whack it just right, um, that mm-hmm. little teardrop can shatter uh, a uh, a nice big thick cold draft cube of ice. So I like all of the two for one, so that it's not just a mono tool. Yes, 
Um, I think I have one that is um, that has the flat top, and then I have several that have a, a fleur de lis. But now that I think about it, the fleur de lis could function as an ice cracker because it's pretty heavy. Uh huh. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Right. Yes. Indeed. Um, so, Again, what you're kind of looking for is a, a spoon that's like a, a solid piece too, mm-hmm. so that it can handle wear and tear and and not like fall apart. Okay. Strainer? Strainer. Next would be your strainer. Um, again, there are strainers you can get that will, you can work use in both your tin and your mixing glass. And I kind of like those two in one. Um, you, what you're looking for in a strainer is basically um, uh, something that has a set of uh, wire uh, coil that when you put it on the glass and then slide it forward, you can close the coil um, or you could leave it open. And that's depending on how fine a strain you want to do it. Um, you'll see a lot of bartenders in fancy bars, they double strain their drinks. They pour their drinks through a um, fine mesh strainer. And, and so they're, so that the finishing drink is really smooth. I'm of the belief that it is, if you know how to properly use a good Hawthorne strainer with a good tight mm-hmm. coil, you don't even need to double strain your drinks. You can just, um, close that, what, the, what we call closing the trap because you put the strainer down on the, on top of the glass and then you slide it forward to squeeze that coil to bring those coils really, really tight. So it gives a nice tight strain. Or you could leave it open. Say if I'm, I mixed a drink with like some mint leaves in it and I want those mint mm-hmm. leaves in the drink to kind of give it an aesthetic, like good look. Or, mm-hmm. Or if I shook uh, a vodka martini for someone that really wants those ice chips in it, I'm sure mm-hmm. heck, I'm going to leave that coil open. So I'll strain it so the big ice doesn't go in, but they, those ice chips go on top. So you can do that for your own personal preference as well. So a good um, uh, strainer is, there's again, they have names. One that I really like is called a Hawthorne strainer. Uh, I find it very helpful. And the one I have that I use at work... Um, works on top of both my Tim's and my mixing glasses. So again, um, all in one tool. So there is another kind of strainer that was very popular for a while, a little less so now, and that is the julep strainer. And that is the one without the the coils and mm-hmm. the spring. It looks kind of like, think of a slotted spoon. Yeah, you, a lot of use. people okay. have julep but strainers around. I yeah. wanted to encourage any of our hirsute listeners... So that means you're hairy, but really what I mean is anybody who has a beard or a mustache. Okay. Um, I can't remember who posited this theory, and I can't remember if you and I discussed this or I talked about it with somebody else. Um, but juleps, juleps are super popular in the early 19th century, and mm-hmm. they they come about as ice is becoming um, more and more available. Um, you know, it's it's cheaper, so bartenders are are able to use it, and you're getting these drinks with like these beautiful kind of mounds of of crushed ice. Okay, um, and and there was a while where people were drinking juleps, at least in New Orleans. They talked about it like. Like now we would say, oh, you know, it's two guys and they went and had a beer. Like beer is just this like placeholder for generic drink that everybody is drinking. That's mm-hmm. what the julep was. Okay. So um, the julep strainer, um, so the julep itself, when you make it, it's 
it ends up with all of, you know, with all of this ice. And if you look at pictures of facial hair of men in the early to mid 19th century, they had the mustaches. It was the divine. It was, it was kind of like now, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. The theory is that you would give the customer would receive the julep strainer and it would be placed on top, like kind of in front of the julep so that he could drink it. And then his beard would not look like some sort of Yeti, abominable snowman, uh, <laughs> icy, you know, like all the ice wouldn't get in there. I, I, and, I imagine they didn't really have straws that they used with great frequency in this time as well. Straws emerge. Um, actually, there was a thing. They were, they were called julep straws. And for a while, they, um, they're mostly made from rye grass, a particular varietal that was hollow. And you need to know that because there are lots of people making jokes about like standing in a field of rye with a bottle of bourbon and saying something like, all I need now is ice. And you're like, what? What are you talking about? But they they were talking about, we already have the straw. Yeah. Um, And then, and so the guy who invents the straw, like the paper straw as we know it, it's because he really detested that the rye grass straw gave a a grassy flavor to his julep. And he wanted something that... Oh, so people also had silver straws, yes. which you had to carry around with you. Yes. Well, like, again, down, right? very like, much <laughs> happening today, especially here in Seattle. I brought my right, own straw, yes. my reusable straw. Yes. Um, uh, but silver, not um, some... Well, I mean, I guess it's eco-friendly material as well. Yeah. Um But yeah, so um, I really dig this idea of having your julep strainer, not for straining as you're making it, but to like give to yourself drink or it. your no. guest. I have yeah. seen a couple of bars do that. And I think it's beautiful serving a julep like that. I still kind of, you know, I was actually really happy when we kind of uh, went straw by request only because I really believe in like putting your face in the drink to experience all mm-hmm. of the aromatics in it, especially if there's a beautiful garnish on it, like the mint. Um, so yeah, the julep uh, strainer. And- in a julep cup is is a really cool thing. This is a nice transition into and, using cups too. Yeah. Um, I, one last thing about the straw. Um, I think we sort of forget um, when you're think about when you're drinking through a straw versus when you're drinking out of a cup. First of all, you're probably going to drink a little faster. We tend to because you're, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to just sipping. Um, and you have so many taste buds throughout your entire mouth. Mm-hmm. And when you sip through a straw, it's just the drink is getting like, a, yeah, it's hitting just like basically your soft palate and then mm-hmm. going down your throat. And you're not really getting to like actually taste the whole drink. Mm-hmm. That's very, very true. Very, very true. I will think about that the next time I am slurping a daiquiri. And by that, I mean New Orleans' favorite frozen daiquiri. <laughs> <laughs> Through a straw and say, no, 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 Elizabeth. You need to d- dispense with the straw and stick your nose in this uh, bright red color that doesn't exist in it's the, nature. It's and- the only way I drink a, a Melba's banana daiquiri. 
Trust me. Yeah. What was uh, that? Their special Obama. They had like an Obama flavor. I don't Obama Mama flavor. Mm, oh, that's so adorable. Delicious. Um, okay, so glassware. Um, before we get into glass to glassware, I wanted to just say a couple of things that I would like people to think about as they are sipping from whatever vessel you decide, you know, you you ultimately decide to serve your drink in. And um, so obviously people had to use historically people use like whatever whatever was around um whether it was horns or pottery or pewter um but something that i thought was interesting was um as beer becomes lighter and more um filtered the vessels in which beer were served and and obviously as glass becomes cheaper and cheaper but like vikings and, you know, if you think of like the Oktoberfest Stein, all of that is ceramic or pewter and it's solid and you don't see, you, you're, you can't like really see what you're drinking. Um, but as uh, lagers become more uh, popular in the mid 19th century, then serving them or, or like a Pilsner, like serving them in a Pilsner glass or in a, a clear mug like that emerges as well and it was because it was a big deal that the beer was clear and it, like it wasn't mm-hmm. cloudy and so the the um so the uh brewers wanted you to like see it so you could appreciate it and of course now we're all like i want my unfiltered beer i want my you know super dark or whatever it all yeah, comes around same with wines, and of course right? like <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the, the glass that, um, it's really the Venetians who kind of like master the art of glass making. And for a while, it's super expensive. So the, the average peasant or whatever is only using, you know, whatever, whatever they can, um, whatever they can find. But, um, something that was key in glassware, like when people would talk about like, oh, this, this, glasses awesome because blah 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 was that it would ring like it it was connected with toasting which is a whole like that's whatever like a whole nother episode or something but like that the aesthetic experience of the glass is not only the visual like when we talk about the five senses right Mm -hmm. like when you're when we're talking about the glass uh, we're talking about a drink it's like okay, tasting, of course, smelling, of course, visual, of course, touch, but also it's like the touch of, in, you know, in your mouth, you are yeah. experiencing the, like mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. But how are we experiencing the, the fifth, uh, the, sound. The, 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 the oral? And I was like, oh, right, of course. So even wherever you are, if you are a, a living alone, um, or if you are uh, with one person and or however, like wherever you're at, I really think we should all be clinking glasses like way more than any of us are. Yeah. Um, because and, and if you have to just get a little fork and go ding, ding. as if you're about to make a toast, make it to yourself <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but it just made me. um yeah, I really, really dug that fact. And That's so wonderful. there, isn't it lovely? I, that is lovely. 
If you if you do find yourself in a thrift store and you're looking at some beautiful glassware and you want to know if it's crystal, a good little way to find out is to just like kind of flick it with your nail and your finger and you'll hear it go ding. You'll hear a different mm-hmm. sound if it's glass versus if it's crystal. And crystal's also going to be a little heavier, I think. Um, yes. But uh but yeah, that's uh I, it is so worth it and I do have a couple of crystal pieces that um that I uh, I treasure and I love the sound that they make and I will toast myself more often because as you know I am quite usually drinking alone. <laughs> well, uh Especially now. my mother-in-law but even before my mother-in-law <laughs> gave me my mother-in-law gave me a pair of socks and it says uh if your dog is with you you're never drinking alone. <laughs> so wow. There okay. you go, Abigail. Good. This uh, is true. My dogs are always yeah. with me when I'm drinking. That's right. Um, okay. So since this is more of a stock the bar and not mm-hmm. a like the entire history of all glassware, which would be, um, well, we would yeah. have to talk for another hour have, or something. I, I, um, I got it narrowed down to three glasses. Great. Great. It's very okay, easy. I'm going to guess looking- number one is some sort of old-fashioned rocks glass, right? Yes. Is that yep. Yes. Old fashioned rocks glass. You can use it for neat drinks. You could use it for drinks on the rocks. You could even use it for certain stirred up drinks. You could use it, um, for, um, even drinks that are kind of, if you get a good quality glass that are like heated up a little bit, you know, like a warmed whiskey Mm -hmm. or a warmed, um, uh, cognac. So yeah, a good rocks glass is good. Um, something again that feels good in your hand, solid, heavy, I love vintage ones that have like um, drawings on them or I have a whole bunch that say that have etched in them classic drinks like scotch and water or uh, gin and tonic. Um, those are really- I have I have one that says Sazerac Bar Fairmont Hotel, well, yeah. uh, which I definitely walked out of uh, that hotel uh, <laughs> drinking out of back when it was the Fairmont before it became the Roosevelt again. So now many it's historic. People, <laughs> many people have that. I'm sure. I'm sure. That's why yeah. those Sazeracs have to cost like $27 to make up for all the people <laughs> who walk out of there with them. With their branded with their branded, branded glassware. Glassware. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, branded so glassware is fun. Oh, who, who didn't like stock their entire uh, bar or their home um, cabinet with uh, pint glasses that you stole from um, right. bars. That yes. was like a big thing um, in my 20s. But so so one thing that I um, I, I, I want people to take away from with uh, the rocks glass and that is that's key and why it's a rocks glass versus say like, you know, what's the difference between that and a water glass? It's the heavy bottom um, because the presumption if you're making an old-fashioned so it got called the old-fashioned glass because that's what an old-fashioned one's made in it wasn't an old-fashioned glass first and then mm-hmm. they call them but that if you're muddling you need a you need a thick base mm-hmm. so don't just grab you know your orange juice glass or your water glass necessarily i mean you probably won't use enough force to shatter it but like that's, yeah, that's what they're there for. Cube, it can be hard. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what yeah. it's there for. Mm-hmm. Okay. You'll see um, glasses listed as uh, single old-fashioned glasses or double rocks glasses. Double rocks glasses mm-hmm. just means it's bigger. And yeah, better to be safe than sorry. Get your, yourself a double rocks glass. 
Right, because then you, you can don't either have to fill it up. Serve, remember, glassware, you right. don't have to fill it up to the top <laughs> every time. <laughs> Keep that yeah. wash line. What we call the wash line is like where the drink comes up as opposed to the rest of the glass. Mm-hmm. We want to keep that uh-huh. that wash line a good solid two fingers. So you could, um, without um, spillage, w- walk from your kitchen to your um, couch. Even after you've maybe had, maybe this is your third old-fashioned. You know, you still want to be able to walk to the couch without <laughs> spilling any. any. <laughs> That's right. Unlike so uh, the martini glass, which is terrible not friendly drink. if you're trying to walk and not spend, uh, not spill. Terrible drink. That V terrible glass drink. is horrible. Not it's horrible. not. Wait, it's not a terrible drink. Abigail, terrible, you said it's a terrible oh, drink. I'm sorry. Terrible glass. That V-shaped martini glass glass is a terrible glass. First of all, it looks like it holds a lot, but it really doesn't. So then they started making them oversized. And it still Mm -hmm. doesn't hold a lot, but it's so easy to spill half your drink. Yeah. Again, that's a perilous walk from the kitchen to your couch, especially in my house where there's the other dogs. thing uh, that I was uh, reading about the the oversized martini glasses. And if you've ever had one in your hand or, or in front of you, then you have done this. The reason that the martini is on this long stem, and we could talk about whatever other glasses you were going to recommend. If something is on a stem, that is to keep your hot little paws from mm-hmm. warming up your chilled cocktail. Absolutely. But if the martini glass is so enormous that you could bathe your baby in it, then you need to take it with both hands and hold it like a soup bowl and then like (laughs) tip it into your mouth. And so you are then heating up your enormous martini, which you then have to drink very quickly because it's getting, you know, warmer and warmer. And it's never going to end well. Yeah. So all that all that surface, like it's such a wide surface on top. That's another reason why it's like it's gonna get get too it's moving to room temperature too fast. <clears throat> so keep and so yes, yeah, so we're talking about stemmed glassware. That would be my next um the, the second glass that you need to have is stemmed glassware. So this is something that is has a stem on it. So you are picking it up by the stem and not kind of warming it in your hands. Um, in my ideal world, you would have two different kinds of stem glasses, a Nick and Nora glass and a coupe glass. Coupe glass for shaken drinks, Nick and Nora for stirred drinks, but really um, either one will do for either drink. Um, let's talk a little bit more specifically. A Nick and Nora glass looks like a small wine glass. It's got kind of a tulip bell-shaped bottom. goes straight up. Um, it is named for Nick and Nora Charles, two characters in Dashiell Hammett's book, The Thin Man, which were turned into very popular films in the late 1930s, early 1940s. Which we, ref- we referenced, I think, in the Martini episode. Numerous times, because, yes. Because she, uh, because she has him, she lines up all the martinis to catch up with him. Mm-hmm. This is, these are well. two of our favorite characters in literature. I've had my dogs painted as a portrait Um where they both look like Nick and Nora Charles. So, no. um, we're, I'm really, we're really obsessed. If you haven't seen the movie, The Thin Man yet, um, or the second one, The Thin Man Returns, we highly recommend you use this quarantine time to binge some, uh, good old movies. And take your choice. You can do this or not. But if you drink every time someone takes a drink in that movie, um, 
well, you'll be you'll be in a happy place. You might not remember <laughs> the entire movie. There's so much drinking in this movie. So much <laughs> drinking for a movie well, set during Prohibition. No, it was set. No, it's after the first one. I mean, is, is it? It was after. I was after thirty, like thirty four, thirty five. You're thirty nine. Right. Thirty nine was the first movie. I is think. it that late? Yeah, I thought so. Okay, well, but when was up. it? Well, let me see when it was written. Yeah, it might have been written but, during Prohibition, though. You're correct. Um, so that's why we do love those glasses. Uh, they've become very popular in the drinks world as well. I've also seen that style of drink called a Manhattan glass. And there is kind of a style, like if, if, if it doesn't have a curved bottom, sometimes it has a flat bottom and then it goes up kind of like mm-hmm. a U-shaped, a flat U-shaped glass. And you'll see that, um, style of glass show up in thrift stores a lot. Um, that was, is also a Nick and Nora, but at, you know, before Nick and Nora existed, they were called Manhattan glasses. So, um, okay. So just, just, I'm interrupting, um, Thin Man novel printed in December of 1933. So as prohibition ended mm-hmm. and the movie is 1934. Oh God. Yep. How did I get that wrong? The first mm-hmm. movie was 1934. Yes. Wow. Wow. Gosh, those movies are so good. I'm gonna now I'm gonna watch them again today. I think I might do that too. Okay. Yes, it is so, kind of the height Coop, of the depression, if, which is really so interesting. She's a socialite Coop, and he's a retired um police officer. So it yes. is there's a lot of like ah, oh, look at the life we could have. <laughs> a lot yeah, of she has she wears crazy. like lounge pajamas. Mm. Well, that again, <laughs> you, all the rage right now. Need, it's all coming back around <laughs> that, again. That is, that is actually true. <laughs> I am. I am currently but wearing like, lounge pajamas. No, but Nora's print, no, lounge. No <laughs> Nora's lounge pajamas are different than our lounge pajamas. Um, I mean, you can't see fancier. my feathers I'm wearing right now. It's very <laughs> fancy. There's ostrich feathers, leopard print. It is luxurious. <laughs> um. Anywho. Uh. Okay. Wait. So. I would say if you can't, well, I don't know what your third, what's your third glass going to be? What's that third oh, style? Well, we haven't really discussed a coupe, but. Oh yeah. Cause I, I was going to say, if you can't, if you have to choose between a Dick and Nora and a coupe, I think get the coupe. Coupe, coupe has more, has more, uh, um, gives you more options. Yeah. They tend to be a little bit bigger too, which is nice. Yes. Um, uh, you have a little bit more room in there. Yes, they are very versatile. There's it's, coops it's, come in all different shapes and sizes. Um, so get one that you find aesthetically pleasing to you. It also uh, echoes the anti-mame quote, you know, because you want you want it to be bigger. Because it, would you care for an olive? Anti-mame says they take up too much room in such a tiny glass. <laughs> yes, so if you have a if you have a big coop, then you can fit your olive versus yes. a Nick and Nora, which might not hold it. That's true. That is very true. Um, yes. Yeah. Coops are, are lovely and, um, coops are, uh, that beautiful rounded shape, also known as like a champagne saucer. Um, mm-hmm. they are like kind of a traditional champagne glass before we got into flutes. Um, you'd see them a lot and you see them pretty much in every kind of cocktail bar now. They're, they're probably the most popular of the cocktail glass now. And, uh, yeah, I'm all for them. Uh, rumor has it is that they were the first coupe glass was specifically designed to be the weight and fit of, um, but this is another one of those allegedly things, but it was, um, Marie Antoinette's left breast 
specifically. No, it was. It definitely wasn't. But it definitely wasn't. So. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, but since then, um, uh, Kate Moss uh, had her breast molded for a oh. for a coop. So That's there's a that teeny tiny glass. Um, <laughs> I've told you other- about my dream. <laughs> my dream is that one day they make one of mine, and people mm-hmm. are walking down Bourbon Street with <laughs> drinking coops. You know, instead of like huge ass beers, it's it's a uh, Abigail's cocktail with, and it's huge. So it's bourbon street size, but still it's classy and it's a really good drink, which, you know, is me to a T. I can see it (laughs) hanging around someone's neck too. Cause you know, you love a drink that comes with its own little like harness. (laughs) Yes. Um, That would be beautiful. Mm, uh, What I was going to say about one of the earliest coupes, uh, is uh, as far as like shape this sort of bull drink um that is shaped like a breast it dates back to the greeks and it is just the sphere and it sits in a square holder mm. so that you take it out and drink it and then put it back um because it does it can't just like sit on its own So it kind of rests. And I've since seen things like this where the holder is, um, it's a cube and it's filled with ice. Ice. So you could keep it cold. So then you can like keep your drink cold. Without it being overly diluted. Yes. But the Greeks, it was the Greeks that, um, made something like this out of some kind of pottery, pottery things. Very smart. Very smart. They invented democracy. They invented this. Pythagoras. Pythagoras. They got theorems all over the place. Yeah. Geometry, democracy, and uh, this coop coop thing. Okay. Drink number three. Or glass Um, number three. Glass number three. um, Now, uh, we're looking at a tall chimney glass for this. Uh, Mm -hmm. And this can sometimes be called a highball glass, sometimes be called a Collins glass. Collins. Essentially, they're kind of two different things. Um, A highball should be like a little smaller and skinnier. And, um, a Collins glass is a little bit bigger. It has to do with size, but we're basically, we're just looking for a tall chimney style glass with straight edges. This is great for, um, this is like what you should actually serve like gin and tonics and vodka sodas in. Mm-hmm. You should have a lot of that mixer in there. That's why the mixer that you use is kind of important because you're using a lot of that mixer compared to like the booze you're having. And there's a lot of ice in there. It's for a good, tall, refreshing drink. You could also use I recently. St- oh, go ahead. I recently learned that the French 75 was originally served in a Collins class. Well, that makes sense because it is kind of yeah. like a, it, it, it's just a, it's a Tom Collins top with champagne mm-hmm. instead of, and it, instead of a and club it, soda. So it was also meant to mimic the, the, uh, the cartridge that would have gone in the gun. Uh, because that's, so, that. yes. Oh. So yeah, the yeah. skinny chimney glass is good. And, and it's, so it can, also, so that kind of, oh, just so, so to, to be clear. So this is a kind of drink that can keep bubbles. Yes. Tight, like as opposed to something that's wider where they would dissipate. Exactly. So if you have something tall, so if, if it, if it has fizz, then definitely use your chimney glass. Use your chimney glass. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and they're again, they make beautiful ones. You could find a lot of gorgeous ones. They tend to be really designed, wrapped in beautiful, um, uh, 
designs and they were like sold as souvenirs. I have quite a few from, mm-hmm. um, from classic, like a, a Vegas, I have a Vegas showgirl one that I love. Um, there is, um, uh, a classic, I have a tall, skinny Pat O'Brien's one that I love. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's what they, that's actually, they serve their mint julep in that. Exactly. So, um, yes, yes. If, if you, like, a, a, something like a julep cup or a Moscow mule cup, those are one-off cups. They're nice to have, but you don't need them. If you have, like, this chimney glass, you can make a julep in it. You can make a Moscow mule in it. You can make all your highballs in it. And you could even make, like, kind of more complicated tiki drinks over crushed ice mm-hmm. in, a, mm-hmm. in a drink like this, especially if it's going to get, like, a, a layer of something on top. Um, a kind of a mojito in the Cuban style gets packed with crushed ice on top and a couple dashes of Angostura bitters, which is visually very appealing and looks beautiful in a, in a tall chimney glass. When you have like the mint on the bottom and then ice mm-hmm. and your rum and your lime juice and then crushed ice and bitters on the top. Bitters. Red bitters. That sounds, sounds very pretty. It is. It's very beautiful. So uh, honestly, I think like you can get by with just those three glasses. There, of course, there are a million different styles in between that you could use, but you know, like you said, basically you're looking for something that holds a lot of liquid and bubbles and keeps the bubbles tight. You're looking for something with a stem that keeps your drink cold and you're looking for something with a wide, solid, thick bottom. Um, that has a big open uh, top, so you could really enjoy the aromatics in something like um, a um, a Sazerac or an old fashioned, old or even fashion. like a pour of beautiful whiskey neat. Yeah. Well, I think that this has been a very good primer on um, the basics of what you need to stock your bar. Um, and if anyone needed an excuse to go treat themselves to whatever they've been eyeing, um, this is it. Mm-hmm. Because all of these, um, all of these tools and glasses come together. Like once you've made this investment, as long as you don't break them, <laughs> then you have them forever. And you may as well get the thing that gives you the most pleasure. Um, because I know, I know that they've done studies about how experiences give more happiness than things, but apparently somebody did a follow up. <laughs> and, um, the, when the thing is being used, so at, not just necessarily like your big screen TV, which you then just, then just become accustomed to. But um, when you are interacting with with it, which is all of these tools and glasses and whatever, you are constantly reminded about like, oh, it's like you kind of take a minute and go, hmm, like this is nice in a way that the opposite, which is this tool sucks or this glass is chipped or it's mm-hmm. ugly or, mm-hmm. you know, I, or some, or my ex gave it to me or in that yeah. case, just break it. You should just <laughs> smash just it, smash break it. it. Smash um, that. <laughs> how satisfying, right? Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not like super big into like all consumerist culture, you know, like bye, 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 bye. But I do think that um, we're all still going to be home for a while. And, 
Um, and actually, you, you're going to make drinks for the rest of your life, ideally. So you may as well have the things that um, that give you the most delight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Or you know, hang on to that Superdome plastic cup <laughs> that. <laughs> But I got to tell you, not every single time I pick it up, but every now and then I'm like, oh, yeah, right. That U2 concert. With that Steven. was great. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. Do you have any other, uh, uh, any other things you wanted to say reg- uh, regarding tools and glasses or anything like that? I don't think so. If you're looking for, uh, resources, like I've said, um, uh, 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 Cocktail Kingdom is a wonderful resource that uh, many of us in the bar community use. Um, they also sell glassware and um, beautiful, like gold-rimmed coops and um, and Nick and Nora's, and um, you could find um, pretty much everything you're looking for there. I highly recommend saving thrift stores. Um, just know that that the quality glass, the um, the way that glass is made up. Um, every time it goes through the process of, of heat and then cool and heat and then cool, it, um, it changes the structure of the glass and makes it weaker. So if you do buy old glass and you notice that like it very easily shatters, that's just because <laughs> it's been washed a million times. And, um, oh. so yeah, keep that in mind. And when you are like it, it, buying some more, you know, if you're buying glassware that says hand wash only, hand wash only and don't use super mm-hmm. hot water. Um, just use good uh, soap and warm water because the less the less you kind of put it through that temperature extreme of hot and cold and hot and cold, the stronger the structure of the glass will be. Um, so that's just a hint. Like I, I, hey, I, I love buying old glasses or using my grandma's glasses, and I don't get sad when they break because I know I'm giving them a glorious death because they mm-hmm. were holding beautiful drinks, which is what they were made to do, and they weren't made to sit in a um, in a Vincent St. Paul um, <laughs> thrift store <laughs> gathering dust. So um, don't feel bad about it. Um, mourn the glass. Uh, quickly and quietly and move on and um and always yeah. wear shoes because there's broken glass everywhere <laughs> well and and on that uh <laughs> on that tip two, two two great tips um yeah i think i think we've covered a lot it, this is a longish episode but uh but worthwhile full of full of a lot of uh full of a lot of info of things that i i didn't know about so um Thank you. Thank yeah, you for sharing too. all your, Thank you. your knowledge. Um, if you enjoyed this episode and other episodes, please, please consider sharing it with whoever you think might also enjoy it because word of mouth is one of the best ways for people to hear about podcasts. They're much more likely to listen if they believe you. Um, if you have any questions for us, you can reach out um, at Drink and Learn um, via social media. Also, um, uh, cheers at uh, drinkandlearn.com is our, if you want to send through email, if you want to reach out to Abigail, then here's how you can find her. You can find me at um, Abigail Gullo on Instagram or at NYC Baby on Twitter. Uh, feel free to rate and review us if you have not already. Um, in fact, if you have not, I will tell you this. Um, it is my birthday coming up, 
November 22nd, the day that Kennedy was shot, <laughs> which is a terrible way to remember that day. I really need to find something else that happened that day. Yes, you do. Uh, anyway, November 22nd is my birthday, and I would really, really appreciate it if you like this podcast, if you would A, tell somebody about it, and B, tell a whole lot of people via right, <laughs> reading and reviewing it on <laughs> Apple or wherever. Uh, yeah, so there, that's my little request for the universe. Oh, um, oh, that's yeah. a wonderful birthday present. I, I will get that for you. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, can you, I don't, well, you can definitely tell people. I don't know if, you, I guess you can rate and review yourself. <laughs> I am awesome. <laughs> These two women are amazing. I wish they were my friends. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, yeah, you'd be like so, that senator um, and just have a whole bunch of fake accounts. <laughs> right. But, oh, but, but you only use them to rate and review yourself. Oh, only, only for good, not for evil. <laughs> only for good, yeah. All right. Well, uh, until next time. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all.